Little reminder, uh, this is the last time uh, you've got me um, for just um, probably about a week, I think, I can't remember. Um, But anyway, uh, we've been on this little series about communities and thinking about how we talk about uh, our shared life together. And we've talked about this idea that there are five worshipping communities here at All Saints. We're all under the same banner uh, that actually we can then do all the central stuff really well. But hopefully what this does is it gets us ready and structured for doing something bigger and wider because it means that we'll be ready to move really, really quickly. Uh, so five communities at the moment, and um, we want to bring salt, that, uh, cheer, that Sunday afternoon community, right into the heart of what we're doing. In fact, when we've got some baptisms on the 24th of November in the morning, we've cancelled all the other worship for the day. We're just going to meet at 11 o'clock, all of us together, and we're going to have some baptisms. And there's going to be a bunch of young people, and there's some folks in the 11 o'clock, and there's some folks from salt, and we're going to celebrate together. That is going to be a lot of fun. And you won't be able to come in the evening, because there won't be anything, so you better come in the morning, um, which will be good. Um, I hope it will. This idea has come out of a little bit of a frustration of this talking about services, and it being like an hour on a Sunday, and it being dutiful, when actually we are a community, we are a body, and we are communities of Christ Jesus. We, we don't have another mission There's not another plan. There's not a better way to express it. This is all about us following Jesus who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want to reconnect with your Father God, Jesus is the way. That's it. There's not another way. When he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, what he meant was, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's why he said it like that. So I don't need to preach up on that one anymore. Um, uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about communities of faith, and we talked about that wonderful story, uh, another one of my favorites in Acts chapter 3, the gate called Beautiful, and uh, they gave, Peter and John gave what they had, not what they didn't have. They gave him what they had, and they, uh, he went dancing and leaping and jumping into the temple. He was excluded, and then he was included. And last week we talked about uh, discipleship and the need for us to be on mission, but that though it could not be structured anymore around one person or a few people at the front taking responsibility for everything. It was about the priesthood of all believers. Every single one of us is involved. It doesn't matter how old you are, Um, except actually, and I'm slightly worried about this because I'm 46, there is a verse in Numbers that says you have to retire at 50. And I'm going to have to dig into that one a bit more. Um, But frankly, I'm I'm holding that against Caleb, who keeps on going till well well into his 80s, and I'm I'm confused. Either way, I think you're in. Um, But also, if you're young, if you're... you're, (laughs) I'm just going to keep going. Um, if, 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 you're, if you're little and, you, and you're just learning how to talk, we've got stuff to learn from you. There's not an age restriction. 
We are a priesthood of all believers. So that was the last couple of weeks, and this evening we're thinking about generosity. Uh, James read us the passage. Um, it's on page 1035, if you kind of want to follow through what I'm doing, because I'm going to unpack it in a minute. Um, but first of all, let me give you a kind of a framework with which to hold this idea of generosity against. And it is the framework of love. You see, Jesus talks about love, and the New Testament writers talk about love. And here is a little summary, if you like, of what they say. So when Jesus is approached by someone to say, you know, what, what should we do? What's the, what's the greatest commandment? His response is a pretty standard response of the day. And he says, basically, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And he quotes these two commandments. So the first thing about love is, is that we are to love God. We're to love the creator of the entire universe. Not some random, nameless God, but the God who has made us and made himself known to us. And he says that we're also supposed to love our neighbor. And then this is the tough bit for some of us. We're also supposed to love ourselves. God instructs us, he commands us that we're to love ourselves and then he gives this command as he's preparing to leave and uh, go on that journey of crucifixion. He says that we're to love one another, then people will know that you're my disciples. They'll know by how we love and look after one another. But there's this other verse in John chapter, sorry, 1 John chapter 4 verse 19. It says that we love because he first loved us. You see, we can't do the first four by ourselves. We can't just go around kind of going, right, I am going to be super amazing at loving people. I'm going to be amazing at loving God and super efficient at loving my neighbor, make sure my whole street's cared for. It's going to be sorted. And I'm going to be amazing at loving and looking after myself. I'm going to keep fit and all the rest of it. And, I'm, you know, the internal dialogue's going to be excellent. And whatever the last one was, uh, I'm going to be good at loving the other people in the church, even though, frankly, some of them are a bit you know, weird, not like me. Um, we can't do any of this without first receiving the love of God. And the more we receive from him, the more we have capacity to love. The more we receive from him, the more we have capacity to love. And for some of us, the third one is the most difficult. You know, is that, it is that cartoon with the train whizzing round and the stuff that goes round and round your head. You can't seem to get over it. You can't seem to stop. And that negative talk, those things from the past just keep on getting you down. You know, you can... You can talk it through and that's a good thing to do and process that. But you know the key thing that needs to happen is you need to hear afresh how much God loves you. And hear not what you say about yourself but what he says about you. Because when you hear that, then you can start to kick those trains off the track. So let's dive into this passage, and uh, uh, it is Acts chapter 4, verse 32, page 10,034, if you are following along with me. 
Um, so the first bit of the passage is that the Christian community were of one heart and mind. They were united together. You know, being a church family does not mean that we are going to agree on everything. I mean, just looking around the room at you tonight, I mean, you're all jolly nice, but I know that there are some things uh, that we don't all agree on. But there's a whole bunch that we do. And the key thing is that we are united as followers of Jesus Christ. That is the thing that unites us. Followers of Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth and the life. And our lives are and should be being shaped by him. He is the one that draws us together. He is the one that flattens out the ages so that we stand as one before him. You know the strange thing about living in this kind of super connected world where we're you know we're 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 connected to everyone around the planet is that is that it's supposed to join us and it's supposed to make us closer but if you haven't noticed um and I'm sorry to wreck it for you the whole system is based on providing you things that they know that you're going to like because of your advertising preferences and what they've kind of gleaned about who you are. And so over time what happens is you see more and more of the stuff on your feed that you like. And you kind of begin to think, hey, wow, this is amazing. Everyone around me thinks exactly the same thing. This is phenomenal. I'm in my tribe. They're just feeding you lies. And you know, as a Christian community, we're supposed to be together. We're not some kind of algorithm that God is sewing together. We're united around the person of Jesus Christ. In a world that is increasingly divided. And we've seen it a lot this week. As Christians, we are no longer the centre of our universe. We're no longer the center of the universe. God is. He's the source of all being and life. The one that we gaze upon. The one who shows us how to live in the here and now. The one who unites us and draws us together. The one who will lead us home. The first and the last, the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, and anything else is not worthy of his name. Christian communities are different from anything else on the planet. They are the best thing. And I think that's why, I think that's why they kind of can be so divided because the devil doesn't want us to stand in the fullness of what God has won for us. It's his kingdom, the king of the kingdom that unites us. And it unites us across geography. There is no physical boundary that can divide us. It unites us across politics, whether you voted for or remain or have changed your mind or are just angry. We are united in Jesus Christ. However young or old you are, 
whatever your race, whatever your background, whether you went to a posh school and have got a PhD or whether you're struggling to get a job, you're in the same family and we are one in him. I don't know any other place where doctors and road sweepers can sit together and where the road sweepers have a higher position. I don't know any other place where everyone is welcome and everyone is valued because Jesus Christ has paid the price for them. Rich and poor, educated and the dyslexics like me. Those that hear what students are studying and they hear the word pharmacology and think that it might be about farming. It's me. <laughs> We're included. And the reason why we are united is not because of an ideology or a set of values. We're united because of the person the work and the presence of Jesus Christ. Nothing else will do. Next bit. No one claimed anything of their own. They shared everything. The Christian community is a different culture and you know sometimes we... We do have things to learn from the culture around us as they step into kind of lawnmower sharing and all that kind of stuff. Of course we have things to learn. But we live in this strange world where everything has got to be insured because I wouldn't ever want to lose out. Uh, Meg and I have, um, have occasionally uh, got new to us cars. Um, that's basically second-hand cars. Um, but they are new to us and we like them when they arrive because they're like shiny or at least they've been buffed, the scratches have been buffed out of them. Um, and we love when we get these things and they're fantastic and you, you know, you want I, I don't know about anywhere else, but when I get something new, I'm like, hmm, shiny things, let me keep them. Uh, but somehow, the creator of the entire universe manages to orchestrate someone close to us needing to borrow the new-to-us car that week, every time. And, and when I hear that, you know, and, and it'll, just, it'll just come up in conversation. You know, we, we had a nine-seater at one point when all the kids were home. Some friends of ours had left the country and sold it to us dead cheap, and it was, it was like, come on. And then, you know, you, you don't go through a week before someone's kind of like, Oh, yeah, and I could really do with a big car, which I can get. It's like, and all of me, all of my fleshly responses going, No! And the Holy Spirit is going, Yes. And you know, there's that, that thing about free will when the King of heaven and earth gently asks you to do something. And you have complete free will as to whether or not you will say yes or no. You really do. But it's always a good idea to say yes to the Holy Spirit. Next thing. 
the resurrection of Jesus. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus. You know, we must not let go of the core of the gospel. That Jesus Christ died on a cross. God came himself as a human being, died on a cross, and rose from the dead. We must not let go of this. We have this strong desire to connect, to make the gospel more palatable. Why? Because we don't want to offend people because we want to draw them in. Do you know what? The gospel of Jesus Christ, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the amazing grace of the King of Kings is deeply offensive in our culture. So folks, if people are going to be offended, okay, deal with it. They'll have to deal with it. If they're going to be offended by Jesus, well, that's okay. You know, I don't think we can talk about him too much. Of course, we need to find helpful words. But I think we need to talk about him more, and I think we need to make it normal. You know, if you were going to a party, and uh, there you are, and and you kind of, you go past the the little snack things on the table, and you get to the decent bit of the the party, Uh, you go past the schlur, and you kind of look at the red wine that someone else has bought, and it's like, yeah, I think we'll open that one. And there's no one else ever done that. Come on. Is it just me? No, no, there's a couple of you at the back who are acknowledging that that's what happens. It's true, that's what happens. And then you get talking to someone else, don't you? And they, and they talk about this amazing experience that they've, that they've had recently. And they've, they've discovered, whatever it might be, Buddhist meditation. And, and, and they're just extolling the peace that has come through this. That would be completely normal. You wouldn't be offended. You'd listen graciously. And what happens if, if you then respond and go, yeah, you know, peace is amazing. You know, every single day I pray to the King of Kings, the Lord of heaven and earth. And you know what? He hears my prayers and I tell you the amazing thing. It doesn't hit a void. He, he talks back to me and it's changed my life. Have you met Jesus? I mean, they might be offended. But that's okay. I mean, that, actually, don't take that as the recommended route. That might not be most helpful. If it's the right thing in the moment, then go for it. But you know, there's this bloke. I wonder if you, you've heard of J. John. He is fantastic. This is him answering the question about uh, what he does for a job. And um, Nathan, we've got music, sound coming through that thing. Uh, this is him answering the question about what he does for a job and as he goes through um, retelling the story as he has done many times his voice just gets higher and higher and more excited here he goes people often say to me they say Jay John you know what what do you do it's always very difficult to know what to say because if I say to you that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up certain images in people's minds as to what I might be. So I like to be a little bit creative in telling people what I do. I sat next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport, and I said, hello. And she said, oh, hello. And I said, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. 
Then she said, what do you do? And I said, well, <laughs> I work for a global enterprise. She said, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. She said, have you? I said, yes, we have. I said, we've got hospitals and hospices and homeless shelters. I said, we do marriage work. We've got orphanages. We've got feeding programs, educational programs. I said, we do all sorts of justice and reconciliation things. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death, and we deal in the area of behavioral alteration. She went, wow! And it was so loud, her wow, loads of people turned around and looked at us. She says, what's it called? I said, it's called the church. I love it. He just gets so excited. And so he's told that story so many times, I'm sure. Um, I, I, you, know, you notice his questioning just back to last week. You notice his questioning at the start. He, he asks her a question. And, of course, the plight thing is, is that she has to ask the question back. You know, it's the, hey, how was your weekend question? And listen graciously to their answer. Don't just like, wait, 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 like a little puppy dog. When's it my go? When's it my go? Okay? Genuinely listen. Okay? But, you know, you can consciously walk into these kind of conversations. The other thing that I love about what he said is, is that they're, they're in the area of behavioral alteration. You know, um, CBT is great. Christian behavioral therapy. Okay? You know, if you, if you don't know what that is, go, go and read some of the stuff about Paul, you know, and we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Anyway, that's a whole different thing. Um, next thing. God's grace was so powerfully at work among them that there was no needy persons among them. So powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons. You know, folks, we, we can exhaust ourselves with doing good. We can try so hard to do good. And you know, if you're, if you're in that place, then, then this evening has kind of got a, a health warning on it because this talk is for you. You know, if you are exhausted from doing good, do you, do you, and this is, not a, this is not a judgment, this is an invitation. Do you, do you remember the Kevin and Perry sketches? No! You know, if, if when the vicar stands at the front and asks you to do something, all right, and asks you to join in, if your internal response is, yeah, there's a problem. You've got compassion fatigue. And you know, the great thing about compassion fatigue is the solution for compassion fatigue is to be utterly drenched afresh with the Holy Spirit, not to do more. Stop doing Start soaking. And until you are completely drenched, that Kevin and Perry feeling will not go away. You know, as we come to Him, as we ask again and again to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit, you know, I love, I love the signs of the Holy Spirit. 
I love having to explain what God is up to. When you see him manifesting his presence, when you see his presence resting upon someone, when you see someone shaking in the spirit, when the hairs go back on the summit, some of our heads, not mine anymore. When someone feels hot and they're kind of going, I'm not old enough for the menopause yet. And you go, no, it's the Holy Spirit. It's okay. I love having to explain that. But you know, we, we, we don't pursue the Holy Spirit for signs and wonders. We pursue the Holy Spirit because this is God's free gift to us and He wants to fill us to the point of overflowing. He wants to do it again and again and again. I don't know about some of, some of you folks, but, but Meg and I were involved um, in that, that early wave of the Toronto blessing sweeping across the country. And, and you know, I, ever since those days, I've just been hungry and hungry and hungry. For wherever I can get into the presence of God. And you know what? He's not stopped pouring out his Holy Spirit. People have not stopped shaking or falling over. And the number of good things that came out of that move of the Holy Spirit is staggering. You can see people being pushed to go and do good things and fulfill needs. It's amazing. That's why we need to ask for more, to be filled afresh constantly. You see, when he fills, then there are no needy people. When he fills us with the Holy Spirit, our eyes are opened and we see things around us as he sees them. The grace of the living God overflows through us so that we care for one another. And we should not be ashamed of caring for one another within the church family. It is true. It's because that is how, that is how the world will know that we're his disciples. By how we love one another and care for one another within the Christian community as well as those around us, as well as the lonely and the hurting and those who are suffering deeply with mental health struggles. But as we love one another, then they'll know that we're his disciples. There should be an overflow in us. And just as we talk about this overflow and I'm coming into land, let me just give you a couple of things. You know, to, we, we've been talking about this give idea as the fifth of our five habits, as part of being a church on the way. And to give or to live generously. To be the kind of folks that are looking out for others. That are not looking to hang on to things, but are looking to give them away. Looking to build others up. This is not just about the finances. This is about the whole of the way that we live. Not living for self, but living for God. In the prayer meeting this evening, I, I, I had this picture which 
kind of doesn't seem to quite fit in with the talk, but it just seems right to share it anyway. And it was this picture of a, of a Jenga tower, you know, the kind of wooden blocks. Uh, and the, the idea was that for some folks here, some of the fi- foundational blocks at the bottom need to change. But uh, you know they need to change, but, but you're afraid of allowing God to take them out. Because what will happen to the rest of the tower? You're worried that the whole thing might come tumbling down. And you need to hear this. God does want to take out those flawed or false foundations. He literally just wants to knock them out of the way. To do a new creation work in you and make room for the transformation work that will come. But you don't need to be afraid about the things above it. What he wants to remain will remain. And he will rebuild. What he wants to remain will remain. One of these other things about living generously is that, you know, sometimes it can be in the realm of ideas. You know, and we can, we can approach the Christian community on the basis of, hang on, uh, what God has shown me is the answer for the whole of the way that this works. And I have got it. And if only everyone else would listen to the way that I know that things should be done. Come on, church. You know, the thing is this. He's also speaking to a few other people as well. Okay? And the thing that you've got to bring is probably a God thing. And it's great. And what we need to do is celebrate it. And we need to celebrate the thing that he's doing through this person here as well. And this person. And we need to be the kind of folks that go, Oh, wow, God has shown me this amazing thing. How can I walk forward with this with others? How can we share and embrace what God is doing in our midst together? Together. Being the kind of people that look out generously for others so that we can be of one heart and one mind. You know, I I could have spent a lot of time this evening uh, talking about the money. Let me do it real quickly. There's a giving box at the back. This place doesn't run on thin air or or grants from the government, although when we can get those, we love them. How it it is funded is this. The cash comes to you from, you know, your salary, but via God. And what you do is you then give that generously to the local church, and that helps us to pay for all sorts of things. So if you're not doing that, you know, it'd be great if you could start. But don't do it out of guilt. Do it out of joy. And if you don't know where to start, get 10p or a pound, okay? And give it as a matter of faith and say, Lord, I'm trusting you. And I want to I wanna sow into your kingdom work. And if you need to do that for 10 years, do you know what? Great. And if you just need to come and just be here and go, do you know, Lord, I want to sow in, but, but there's, no, there's nothing spare at the moment. You know, just come as you are. Freedom. All right? But come with a generous heart. Or maybe it's serving on a team, you know. But don't do the kind of Kevin and Perry things. Oh, no, I can't be involved in anything else. I'm full. You know, if that's you, then, then there is a place that you need to be tonight. And it's right up here at the front, getting some prayer so that we can drench you afresh in the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's what he wants to do. Because if this generosity is going to overflow from within you, then the taps have got to be turned on inside. And you can't do that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. 
It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us. We need him to do the work in us. Psalm 23 says this as well. Let me just close with this and then we're going to pray. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Folks, if your cup isn't overflowing tonight, then we need to pray for you. If it is overflowing and you, and you, and you, and you want more, we need to pray for you. Okay? This is, not a, this is not a kind of mystical space. The Holy Spirit works here and he works back there in the pews and he even works under the balcony sometimes. All right? The only reason we invite you to come forward to the front is, is simply it's a, it's a way of you stepping out and saying, yes, Lord, I'd love, I'd love for more of whatever you want to do. You know, maybe it's that you want to respond to something I've said this evening or maybe God has just been up to something else in your heart. But come forward and come and, come and soak and come and receive this evening.